The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, I mean, we're probably 20 point underdogs and we're going to the number one team, the number one team that's, I know they're not the number one team, but they're the number one team that's won the AFC the last two years. Um, arguably the best team in football. Um, we don't have a chance, so let's just go in and play and have fun. And finally, we are back. It is now playoff edition, playoff edition of showing BK on the Chiefs as uh, BK's in the building, Sir is in the building. Obviously, your boy Show is here. And listen, I know many people were drunk and high off their asses in terms of begging for the Houston Texans to go and create a miracle against the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to tell you, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, And we're hoping and pushing that the Chiefs would get help and they would get a bye and they would have to play this week. Well, I am. I don't know about you all, and I believe fans are lying to themselves. You're happy the Chiefs are playing Sunday. You're happy that the Chiefs are playing this weekend. You want to see your team play. You want I, I know you're supposed to think to yourself, no, let's let them get a bye. No, you want to see them. You want to see them play. It would suck to have a weekend of football and not get to see your team start their run. And the run starts at Arrowhead Sunday night. You get to get that, that snake Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are going to call the game, and it will be ready to go on NBC as uh, as the Chiefs will uh, will take on the Steelers. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I have accepted, and it's annoyed me. It's one of the most annoying things, Serta and BK, about this team is this is a flip-the-switch team. This is not going to be one of those teams that are, we got something to prove every week. We're going to come out there and show people off. No. They're going to flip the switch when they have to. And when the playoffs hit, and when different big games hit, that's when they turn it up, and then they turn it out. We've watched it for several years. This is what they do. Hell, some of their best players, it's their M.O. Chris Jones, he does not turn it up every single play. No, he just does it when he wants to. And, and, and this is where this team is, and this is the playoffs, and we should see that flip switched. And I am hoping to see the Golden State bum rush type Warriors offense and team that we have grown accustomed to seeing at many spaces in this Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes led team. I am hoping to see them flip the switch on Sunday and beat the dog crap out of this awful Pittsburgh Steelers team that shouldn't be in the playoffs right now. 
I am hoping to see the Chiefs go Golden State Warriors like we've seen them do before. Cheers. So, Ron, I don't know about you, but in my house, I've got a, uh, a specific light that has a dimmer on it. And it can go as high or as low as you want it to go, depending on the mood, right? You can set the mood a little bit. They're going to flip the switch. But it's going to be on the lowest dim mode possible on Sunday. And the reason why is because they don't care about this game. This is a pass-fail test for them. They don't they care, care about that the they, game. They care that they win. They don't care how they do it. They want to get in and out of this thing showing as little as possible. This is what Andy Reid does in the regular season for the most part. He wants to win as many games while showing the least amount possible so that way he can save as much as possible for when it really matters the most or the games that matter the most to him down the stretch. And I think this is one of those games where they're going into it. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we're probably thinking about it the same way. I know I am. Pittsburgh can't beat us. They can't. Not straight up. If we run our stuff and we do it even to like a C level, we're going to win this game. It might not be by 13 points. We might not cover the spread, but we're going to come out of here with a win and we're going to play most likely Buffalo next week at home. I know they didn't technically get a bye, but for all intents and purposes, the Chiefs got a bye week in the playoffs. They're playing the worst team that was able to make the postseason. They're playing one of the 10 worst teams in football this year. The spread is up there with the likes of the last time that they played the Steelers. And oh, by the way, there literally wasn't another time this season in which they played a team and the spread was this big. This is a laughable playoff game. This is Steelers versus, I know it didn't go the right way, but Tim Tebow, back when Tim Tebow was with the Broncos, except for the fact that this time around, it ain't going to end with Tim Tebow coming out with a victory. The Chiefs are going to win. They're going to win while playing the most boring way possible. And we're, Why don't you use that example? That's exactly what you don't want to happen. Because, the hell do you, because the hell I lost a bet and it immediately came to mind as the obvious that, that was such a massive underdog. <laughs> so and anyone else immediately said, How the hell did you use that it one? Is, that that, 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 that doesn't make anyone feel better. Did it's you, one it, of the most <laughs> lopsided playoff games I could possibly remember. It Steelers is the worst didn't play example well. you could have yes. No, <laughs> but it, it didn't end up being lopsided. Yeah, they lost the game. <laughs> I I know, but it doesn't. That's not going to happen here because they didn't have Patrick Mahomes, and this team does. Okay, we feel better after that example here. Uh, listen, Serta, here here's my thing. Got away from I, me a little bit there. It did. Uh, here's my thing, Serta. I like I, I that mindset is is what gets you. I'm not even gonna say beat, but gets you in here having some having some stupid game in the fourth quarter. Like that mindset of hey man, let's just do enough. Like like I'm not asking them to pull out some of their plays that Andy has put together that he's waiting to use when they can't. No, run your normal offense, but don't be sitting there holding anything close to the vest punch them in the mouth and go and do what it is that you do and build the lead like you did the first game and let's go. Go hard. Try to hang a half a hundred on these jokers because you can. I really believe you can on this Steelers defense. Go try to hang hang a half a hundred. Hell, uh, Spags, let them nuts hang on Ben. You know, blitz them as long as it's not, you know, third down and 30. Let, you know, blitz, do your thing. Don't play any differently that you wouldn't do, and treat this like the playoff game that it is. Like, don't come in here with some sort of – because what you're explaining to me sounds like some sort of damn preseason uh, 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 attitude and intensity. Come in here with the proper playoff intensity and make these jokers go home 
and let this thing be 21, 25 point spread at the half and let's rock and roll. But don't come out here with this, hey, baby, we can beat these jokers. We can just kind of toy with them a little bit. Dim that light off up in here. Hell, man, y'all ain't even got to play, man. Y'all ain't got to do that here. Just here, let's just script the whole first half. Let's just script all the plays in the first half. Like, like, no, man, they, they gotta come, they gotta come like it's a playoff game and get themselves right. I agree that there needs to be a playoff level intensity in some regard in this football game. But we've seen this Chiefs team sleepwalk through regular season games and, and not give as much as we think they should and think like, okay, they can flip the switch whenever they want. Why would they even need to do that against this team? And I always am cautious about being you know, overly confident going into a game like this. But the thing that makes me so confident about this matchup is that I know the Steelers can't change anything about their offense. They can't score points. And so they're not going to be able to do enough to beat the Chiefs, even if the Chiefs act like they're not all that interested in this game. It's just hard for me to see a scenario where they're able to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs come out early, they try to hang a couple of touchdowns on them, get a nice lead, and then we see a lot of the rushing attack. We see a lot of them playing it safe because Andy knows, oh, I got to bring the heat next week when I play, when once we get into the real postseason and we're playing in the divisional round against a real AFC team. Yeah, uh, okay. I just, I think those, like, just bring the heat. Just be you. Just play Hard like this sleepwalk through through a regular season game is when you sit there and you look up and and you've been sleepwalking and you've kicked a couple of field goals and and you're sitting up here and you're sitting up here in this game and it's like Denver and all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter and it's twenty four to eighteen or something and it never really feels like they're going to win the game it never really feels like the Chiefs are going to lose until you look up and oh hell. They've taken the lead out of out of somewhere, and that that that's what happens if you go through there and you sleepwalk through some of these regular season games, and it ends up like the Atlanta game last year, or other other games where they were playing silly and messing around, and then they came back and won. The Jets that came, you know, I I just think it's dangerous to do that. No, come out here with the mindset of we're this is the playoffs, and I don't give a damn who's in front of us. It's the playoffs. And we about to beat we about to beat these fools down, and they messed up because they oh they won this they think it's they think it's Big Ben's destiny they think they're gonna pull a Ray Lewis hell no take your asses back to Pittsburgh and Ben go get you one of them sandwiches with French fries and stuff on it and get the hell up out of here because your career's over. Peronies. Yeah, he's gonna get himself some peronies afterwards. Lots of it. Uh, the Chiefs just don't lose to bad teams, and that's been the mo for for the Chiefs this year. They they lost more games than you would have liked to have seen, especially early on. But whenever they went up against the bad teams, it was not always pretty. And you're right on that, Ron. You look at what they did against Denver. Really, both times, it, it wasn't a pretty game. I in either of those, you look at what they did against the Giants. That was not pretty at all. That was an ugly football game. But they came out. And they did what they needed to do by getting the victory. And I think that's what you're going to see against Pittsburgh. Guys, I, I saw earlier this week, Mitch Holthus gave this stat. It's a good one. The Chiefs are 49-3 and with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback when their opponent scores less than 30 points. You guys know how many times the Steelers scored 30 points this year? More than 30 points. Zero. I would have been my guess. One. 
They did it once. It was against that atrocious LA Chargers defense. They scored 37 in that one. I don't know this to be true, but I have to imagine they had either a special teams touchdown or a uh, defensive well, that was touchdown. A night football one. game, yeah. I think they did have a defensive score. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, they, 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 this, they, this team cannot beat you straight up. They, they just can't, man. So when we're talking about this game, and we're going to break down when the Chiefs have the ball, when the Steelers have the ball, all of that. That's kind of my premise from this one is uh, the Chiefs are playing a bad football team. And with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, this team has taken care of bad football teams. No, and with it, just keep it. But keep doing your thing. Like, don't like when you when you talk about, hey, man, just be vanilla. Just, hey, we're going to save some stuff for next week. No, no, like, like, just play, play your game. But I think that's I think that's what the regular season is. For Andy, typically, like, I don't think he really, for games like this, teams like this in the regular season, I think that's always kind of the plan. Show as little as possible and get out of there with a win. I think he's approaching this not like a preseason game, but like a regular season game against the Broncos or the Giants or the Washington football team. I don't think he's going to view it as any different than those. The good stuff that he's got, and he's going to have some, we know that, that's going to come the following week when they play most likely either the Bengals or the Bills. When I look at this, I, I, I look at this group and I say to myself, if they come out focused, ready to go, you know, intense playoff when they're at their peak playing the way they, they can play and they're focused and everything, that silly turnovers and all that stuff, there is no chance in hell this team can beat with them can compete with them, beat them, stay with them. No, it should be whatever the spread is. I think 13 is the last I saw, 12 and a half, 13. That should be right. And go into it with it. Don't go into it with it, with the thought process of, hey, man, we don't really want to show nothing. We're going to get in here and just get in and get out. No, come in there and beat the hell out of them and try to do that right from the jump. And I'm like I said, I'm hoping to see – the the Golden State Warriors type of a they didn't just beat the hell out of God they didn't just bum rush this team the way that game was with the Raiders at home this year how that thing just got away from the Raiders that fast like that's what I'm hoping to see and that's what I would expect to see if they come with it playing the way that they did in that game against the Raiders at home and the and the and the Steelers aren't anywhere close to as good as the Raiders are like they they should beat the dog snot out of them. Trying to be nice, cuss, not cuss. They should they should beat the hell out of them. And and that's just my thing of it. Attack this like it is a playoff game. All right, we do this every week, playoff edition. When the Chiefs have the ball, and I hope they continue something that we've been seeing. Um, there's a young man for this team who has the most uh receiving yards of anybody in the uh Mahomes, Andy Reid, Aaron, not name uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So that means no other wide receiver outside of uh, Tyreek Hill has had more receiving yards in a season than uh, McCole Hardman. Just approaching 700 yards, I'll round it up. The most that we've ever seen a second receiver have in the history of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era. More than Sammy Watkins, more than Demarcus Robinson, more than any of the others. Uh, McCole Hardman, uh, the last couple of games, he has had big plays, big plays. 
He had the 53-yard catch. I think it was his lone one against the Bengals two weeks ago. And then last week he went up over 100 yards and uh, and had the biggest play of the game with the uh, the wide receiver screen uh, for 40 yards uh, to really kind of end that game and put them put them in a place where they weren't going to lose that game. Uh, listen, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill are the dudes. But I think it is big to have that threat out there and to have that big play threat out there and to have the secondary guys as a whole continue to add and do the things that they've been doing here recently because it's been weird the last couple of weeks with Kelsey and, and, and Hill anyway where they haven't really, really done a lot in these last two games. But continuing, but if they could get a big play a game from Hardman like they've had the last couple of weeks and Hill and Kelsey, you know, flip it and start playing like normal, like that, that, that starts to take this offense back into that, that air of, oh, hell, these jokers might score every time down. Because I watch, I watch the attention that Hardman was getting at times in the game against the Broncos when he was taken off down the field. And that that is a that is a big key if they can continue some big plays with those secondary guys, especially McCole Hardman, the most receiving yards out of any other out of any wide receiver not named Tyreek Hill in the uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes there. Congratulations to you, McCole. Congratulations. Yeah, big ups to McCole for staying healthy for 17 games this season right. and playing in week 18 in which he had the 100 yards that was able to get him over the top while Tyreek Hill was sitting out on the sidelines. Uh, congratulations, uh, McCole. He did, it. He did really, it. Really, big ups to you. In all seriousness, the, he, he's found his role. Like the, the Chiefs have found what the role is for McCole Hardman. It's not as a number two receiver. It's not even sometimes as a number three guy. Like you, you see there are certain games in which Demarcus Robinson is out targeting what you're seeing from McCole Hardman. And his role is go out there and be a big play guy. We're going to give you two, three, four targets a game. And on those targets, they're going to be either screens, manufactured passes where you go out and you, you try to get the yards after the catch, or it's going to be down the field. And we've seen more of that in the second half of the season where he's just beating somebody off the line of scrimmage, going deep, and Mahomes is finding him. And they've connected on a couple of those in a way that they didn't early this year. So if they can get one or two of those a game, that's what you that, that's what you needed out of him. It's it's not a guy that I expected to be a hey, third and eight. We're going to McColl. That's never been his role. But who you have seen fill into that capacity is Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle in the second half of the year has kind of become the guy where, hey, it's third and six. We need somebody to take a slant. They're taking away Kelsey and Tyreek, who's our guy. It's been Byron in his last eight games, 24 receptions, <laughs> 320 yards, and three touchdowns. That's exactly what his role was supposed to be as well. So you're starting to flesh this out. You finally found, okay, what's what does the pecking order look like for our targets? They figured out what that should look like. And if Tyreek is not at 100%, you've at least got some guys that have figured out, okay, how do I win with this team? What is my role? Where do I fit in? And that's been huge for them in the second half of the season. I don't, I, I don't love you taking that 100-yard game away from McCole Hardman. Like, it didn't really matter in Week 18. Like, it's, it wasn't a huge It was his, like first, it was it was his first 100-yard game. Let's, let's, 
Let's let him have that. It was right? huge for him, man. It, it, it was exactly team, what, what we've seen in the, the past team. when Tyreek doesn't play and McCullough's in that role, he's able to produce. The problem is Tyreek plays most weeks. Okay. <laughs> now, I, but there is something to this, sort of, as, as BK has just got his hating spirit. There's something to, though, in my opinion, hey, this they feel differently about him. I mean, because Patrick – yeah, Patrick, I, I feel like sometimes I look at Pat and I think, I don't think he likes McCole. I, I'm just jumping out there. I just think personally. Sometimes I just feel like he doesn't like him. The way he, he certainly doesn't trust him at all. But I think it was a big, a big deal. The Broncos have just taken this thing down to where it's, it's one score where if they get a stop, they score a touchdown, they, they're going to win the game. And the Chiefs had first down – on the biggest drive of the game, and the very first play they did was a play specifically made for only one person to touch it. And that person is somebody who has been inclined to drop the ball at times, been inclined to fumble the ball at times, been inclined to do some 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 things where negative things occur to the Chiefs. And on that big possession, the first play of that possession where they needed to get some first downs, they specifically drew up a play that went to one person and him only, and they trusted him at the end of the game there. I, I think that was that was something to go a long way with his trust because, hell, just weeks ago, he was out there getting nine snaps offensively in a game, in a game that was close, getting nine snaps. So for them to go from that to, hey, man, first down, let's go right here to him. I, I think that's a – you know that I think that's at least a bigger deal to where he is. He is fitting somewhere better in Andy's presence, in his mindset with things. So I, I thought that was I thought that was not looked at as a big deal, but just the parameters of big play, big situation, big moment. We're gonna go to him like there was no other option on the play. And it becomes even bigger if Tyreek Hill's not at a hundred percent. Because we saw last week the heel aggravated. I, I, he's going to play. We'll, we'll see where he's at. You know what? I wanted to jump in on, on that because I've been thinking about that this week. And I sent a tweet out earlier this week and people got mad at me. Like I, I, I think they should have an approach of going after it. But is there any thought of in this game? Because I don't think they need Tyreek Hill to win. Is there any thought of it in this game? Hey, maybe let's rest Tyreek. Let's sit him down to get that heel as a hundred percent for the next week. Is that? I mean, is I mean, there? They they didn't a hundred percent rest him last week, like in in the game where they absolutely could have. They were still putting him on the field. Like it was it was a very small number of snaps, but they were still putting him on the field when he was clearly hurt. I think I think they play him like he'll be on the active roster. It wouldn't surprise me though if it's more of a situational type of thing, like big third down. Hey, Tyreek, get out there. So you just limit his snap count, and then second half, if it gets if it's tighter than you expected it to be, you know, okay, it's go time. Uh, maybe Tyreek gets takes something to help him out. He, he doesn't feel the pain as much in the second half. He's able to go out there and perform for you. I could see something like that. But first half, I don't think anybody should be surprised. And I don't know where he's at right now health-wise, yeah. but I can't imagine it's 100%. I don't think anybody should be surprised if he's rotating in and out more than you typically would expect him to be. He's normally around like 80% of the snaps. I could see it being 60 to 65 this week. That would make some sense. 
Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I'm just interested in that because I, I don't think they need him to win. I mean, they beat the hell out of him without Kelsey last time, and he he only had what two catches for 19 yards, and they were able to do it then. I I don't like to be dicey with playoff games, but like I I think you know if he is like if he's like 75 percent. Like, I, I think it'd be good to just sit him down to get him as right as possible because, as we've said, against Buffalo or the Bengals, like, like you, you got to have you got to have your dudes ready to roll. Those are those are really big boy games. So that that's an interesting piece. But that that receiving core, the big play, just just a couple from him. They can keep doing that. That 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 changes the whole look of the offense. All right. Also, when the Chiefs have the ball in the first game, uh, Terrence Gore's little brother was really good in it and the run game as a whole was really really good but the Chiefs have some weird injuries there with with Clyde and and Daryl Williams who's who left the game against the Broncos Uh, but it seems like the run game in this game can be really really important and impactful uh and, and and the hope is they at least have some horses to be able to execute this yeah, the Steelers have given up more than 100 yards on the ground in nine of their last 10 games. They've given That's up it. more than 200 in three of their last five. I mean, they are getting just shredded on the ground. They've got a really good pass rush, and there are some name players on that defense, but you can run at them, and they are not physical in the middle of their defense outside of Hayward. This is a game where, like, if Daryl Williams is healthy, because I'm not anticipating Clyde's going to play in this one. Did they he had sit a, him down again? Yeah, yeah. He he he. It seems like it's going in the wrong direction for him. So I I would expect he sits. If Daryl's able to play, I think Daryl could have a really really significant game for them. I also think it was big for them to get Jarek McKinnon going again last week. I don't know how much they're going to utilize him in the running game, but just as a third down option, so Daryl doesn't have to put quite as many many snaps on his legs, especially coming back from the injury. I think that's significant for him as well. And you'll get your typical uh, Derek Gore one drive every half or something like that. But if they're able to get Daryl Williams going, I think he's a guy that could have more than 100 yards on the ground in this game. I think you give him around 20 touches. And he's the type of player that could have a Damian Williams type of impact that we've seen from him in the past in the postseason or a Spencer Ware. Hey, this is a nice game out of Ware early in the postseason. I, I think you're going to see some of that from the Chiefs against a Steelers defense that cannot stop the run at all. Yeah, I, I look at this, Serta and BK, and, and my feeling with the run game of importance is, to me, is is really – I think the run game and the importance of it is not really just to gain yards, but I think it's really it's the counter to the only way, the only way that I can see the Chiefs offense being ruined, and that is with T.J. Watt, mostly him. Cam Hayward is pretty good up front too, but T.J. Watt and that Hyde Smith fella, like those are the only way to me I can see this game becoming a real issue is if, those guys are allowed to absolutely ruin the game the way like the Bucks did in the Super Bowl. Like that's the only way. And I think running the football at them timely and enough to hold them back a little bit to respect that is a way that can happen. Like to me, the biggest thing in this game, like you can't let Andrew Wiley have what happened to him in the Super Bowl. Like you can't just leave him by himself when he's out there being allowed to ruin the game for you with T.J. Watt. So that, like, that's why I think the running game, 
is important because of that. Yeah, I, I think that that could just play into everything too. Like in, in the first matchup, Patrick Mahomes just spread the ball around like crazy and they did utilize multiple running backs and they had a good rushing game against them. But like, I think the chiefs could rush with a ton of success in this game. And so there's no reason for them to push the envelope, like with Patrick Mahomes, with the receivers, if Tyree kills, not a hundred percent, like go ahead and settle in and, and just let your running backs do the work because the Steelers have been getting absolutely torched on the ground. So there's no reason to push it that much in this game. I, I, I do want to say, don't don't get out of being you though. Like don't like that that's one point that makes me concerned and nervous a little bit is like if you come in with the thought process of man, we're gonna run this thing and run this thing and run this thing and you don't you don't have a rhythm. Like there's there's one thing that I hate like in basketball when you watch a basketball game or something and your best offensive player is a guard but a team has such a great advantage on the inside, even though that's not their best player, and they make it a point to go into the inside instead of doing what they've always done best. Like, run the ball, but don't get crazy with it. Like, don't turn yourself into the Browns. Don't turn yourself into the Ravens or the Titans where, like, man, they've sucked. We've watched them on film. They've been so bad. No, like, run the ball to make it easier for you to pass the ball. Like, run the ball – and in efforts to slow down Watt and Hayward and Highsmith and company, not run the ball because this is our game plan. But the game plan should be like, man, Patrick's throwing it 20 times a day because we're going to run it down their throats. No, do what you do, but just be smart with how you use the run game. I just I just hope it doesn't get away from them. As you talked about all those numbers, BK, with how, how bad they've been running the football, like still remember who your quarterback is and who your big players are. And don't, don't make that your identity steal. I'm not too concerned about Andy Reid going too far into the running Probably game. right on that. <laughs> I'm not too worried, especially in the playoffs. I, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that too much. I think you'll see like 20 carries from the running backs. I think that's around what you should expect. Maybe you get up to 25 because they've got a lead late. But that's been around where they've been for the majority of the season. I think you get 115, 120 yards on the ground as a result of that. So... I think that's what you're going to see. I don't think they're going to overdo it by any stretch. It's never been the MO for Andy Reid. But I do think they're going to use it as a way, like you said, to slow down that pass rush by uh, Pittsburgh. They are the top sack rate in the NFL this season. They can get after your quarterback if you're not careful. One of the things that I do think is uh, probably worth a mention here, Andy's been a lot better this year of giving his tackles help. If they gotcha. need it in certain situations, they're they're willing to give them help this year. They didn't do it. They refused to in the Super Bowl last year. And I think part of that is instead of having both guys out on the uh, on the outside, at least you've got Orlando Brown on one side that you feel pretty comfortable with. And then if you need to give help over there with Wiley, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean the run game is going to be a big thing. I think the final thing when the Chiefs have the ball before we get to when the Steelers do. Um, it's a. Uh, it's been a good year for Patrick Mahomes. Um, not a great year, as I've said. Like you know, when I say a great year for him, for him and the and and what he has set forth on how good he he can be. This is this is one of it. This is probably a down year, you know, compared to the other years as a starter for him. Um, but now that's closed. 
and now it's a new season and this is the money season and this is when uh, legends are made this is when uh, legacies are built in the playoffs I, I think I think potentially the weight is off the the interceptions and the silly turnovers and stuff is off and I've talked about seeing this team flip the switch I wonder if Patrick Mahomes is in a place now where he's like whoo I could take that deep breath. Now the games that I really give a damn about matter. And now it's time for me to rock and roll. That, that'll be interesting to see what what type of mindset is Patrick Mahomes in uh, as, as this playoff run starts. Yeah, I, I think the second half of the season, what we've seen is Mahomes has basically been himself. And it was a weird start. And ever since that Green Bay game where the Chiefs offense just looked broken, He's basically reverted back to being Patrick Mahomes once again. If you just look at the pace in his last eight run, 17 touchdowns, three picks. He's only been sacked 11 times in those games. He's completing about 68% of his passes. And in a 16-game season, that would be a pace of 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns, six interceptions. That's Patrick Mahomes. He's basically been the same dude. And I think what we're watching now is he's about to take his game to just another level. He's chasing ghosts. This is the LeBron conversation that we've had a million times, Ron, whether it be here or just uh, outside of doing this podcast. LeBron's not going up against his peers. LeBron's chasing Michael Jordan. And LeBron's chasing uh, the expectations that we set on him as an 18-year-old coming out of high school. That's now where we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. He's chasing the legacy of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. He's chasing Montana and Brady. And you don't do that in the regular season. It's not about MVPs. It's not about the numbers that you put up in the regular season. Those are cool. Those are fun. They're interesting to watch. But Patrick Mahomes is going to be judged at the end of the career based on how many rings he gets. For better, worse, or indifferent, that's how it goes with the quarterback position. And I think what we're about to see, you made this comp when we were talking before the show, and I think it's a really interesting one. I think he's about to wash away everything that took place in the regular season, and you're about to see the best possible version of Mahomes again because he knows this is where Ooh, he's really so. judged. You think so? You think? Yeah, I, I, I said. I remember when when Mike uh, when Mike Mustakis in that in that playoff run, and I know Serta, you won't know anything about this baseball. Uh, when Mike Mustakis in that playoff run, uh, Ned Yost is talking about you can't. You can't, oh, come on. Don't look at me like that. You don't know anything about baseball. You know it. You, you make it a, a hallmark of it. I covered the Royals for a few years. I worked at 610. I had to go to Royals games. You worked at work Royals games. Do you remember this, what I'm talking about, Mike Moustakis? I remember anything after like 2014. You're lying. Yeah. Mike Moustakis. Moustakis, when Ned Yost said, we don't, we don't just find third baseman growing on trees, and he was hitting – under the Mendoza line, and then it, it's like it started over when he got into that postseason in, in 14, and he didn't have to look up there on Crown Vision and see that awful uh, average. <laughs> and I all started working at 610 after that postseason Three run. I was there for all of 2015, so all that was that, before yeah. I gave a damn you about just it. said 14. A couple of seconds ago, but, I started in fourteen. But but, it was like but no, I, I like I don't obviously you know Mahomes isn't as bad as 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 Mustakis, who was almost about to find his ass in the league, out of the league. But there is some sense of all right, man, we got this regular season out the way. However you put it, like you look at the numbers and everything, right? This was Patrick Mahomes' worst 
uh, regular season. Like all of the other years that he's been a starter, he's either been an MVP or he has been flat out in the MVP conversation. This is the first year where his numbers are good, but he's not been in the MVP conversation. There's like several, there's a, there's a running back that, that many people would say has a better, right? Jonathan Taylor is more talked about in the MVP. That's, that's the worst. Now it's go time. Like, Killer instinct. Kill Ben Roethlisberger. Like, I want to see that in careers. That's the kind of stuff that Brady and Jordan and Tiger get off on. I got, like, kill them. Kill his career and shake his hand with a smile on your face afterwards. Like, that's, that's what we're looking to see. And you mentioned the LeBron, you know, comp, which is, is a good one. He's chasing ghosts. I, sadly enough, uh, Russell Westbrook is chasing LeBron and tackling him as well as he's trying to get to <laughs> – these ghosts with the way that Russell is playing, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see Mahomes and how he looks and, and if there's a different thing and a different switch in his game in this postseason. I, I, I'm amped to see. That's why I'm happy that the Chiefs are playing. Hell with that bye. I like a chance to see greatness for Patrick Mahomes. And these boys can go and put a half a hundred easy on these dudes if they really come out and play and don't do stupid things. And I love seeing greatness and I would love to see that in this game coming up. Yeah. I, I think you're about to see it. I, I don't know if it'll be on Sunday to the full degree, but I think this postseason you're going to see him take his game to another level. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be, uh, that'll be fun to see. I love this. This will be a fun run. All right. When the Steelers have the ball uh, in this game and look, uh, this is one where we watch this game and, uh, I don't think this is going to be like Georgia, Alabama. I don't think there's a lot of changes that can be made for the Steelers. Now I think they're going to try. They cannot walk into this game and play the way they did before. They've got to do some other things. And I would imagine if I'm the chiefs and I'm Andy Reed and I'm Steve Spagnola, I would just sense, all right, they're going to play like Brendan Staley is coaching them. They're probably going to go like John Harbaugh and potentially go for every fourth down there is available. Hell, they may go for fourth down and one on their own 18, the way Brendan Staley did. Brandon Staley did. They're going to have trick plays. They're going to have doing, they're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff because in past years, when the Chiefs have played the Steelers in the Alex Smith era, or even in this time frame, like they could, they could play with the Chiefs and play their offense their way. Uh, Serta and PK, I don't think that is the case at this point. They've got to, they've got to try to get some extra stuff. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to try to create some stuff themselves outside of them just playing their base offense. Everything that you could possibly throw at a team the Chiefs should be expecting it on Sunday. That means flea flickers. That means double reverse passes, the annexation of Puerto Rico, whatever you got on that play sheet, you better believe it is coming out on Sunday. This has been coming out and saying nobody believes in us and actually being right. Patriots typically use this one where it's like, hey, nobody believes in us type of game. No, nobody believes that the Steelers are going to win this game, and for good reason, because they're not going to win this game. But they're going to take that mindset into this one, and 
the hell do we got to lose? Yeah, we're, we're going to throw it out to Deontay Johnson, and he's going to throw it over the top to Chase Claypool, and maybe he gets intercepted. Or maybe he goes for a 70-yard touchdown. Like They're going to try everything in this. They're going to blitz when they shouldn't. Uh, they're they're going to, at fourth downs, you better believe, it's fourth and short, they're going for it every time. If it's fourth and six, like you mentioned, they very well may go for it there just because they want to give themselves an opportunity to keep Mahomes on his sideline and keep that offense out there and start bleeding the clock out as much as possible to just play keep away. So I'm, if you're the Chiefs, you got to be prepared for everything. Stay home, be on your P's and Q's. Everything's got to be at 100% going into this one just because you have no idea what to prepare for because it's going to look different than anything that we saw from Pittsburgh in the regular season. Yeah, we talked about it last – I think it was last week. Did the Chiefs still have that fear, uh, that fear factor where teams just get out of their personality to do things because they're afraid of the Chiefs getting away from them? Like, I think they're walking into it on purpose doing it. They're walking into this and just saying, we're going to do it all. Like, I, I, like I would – like, I, I want to do an over-under uh, on trick plays. Like, if I set the over-under on four, four and a half, if I set the over-under on four and a half offensive trick plays for the Steelers, would you take the over or the under? I'd probably take the over. Like, are, yeah. are we counting Are we counting in, like, going for it on fourth down when you typically wouldn't and then potentially going for, like, a fake punt or fake field goal or something like that? Because I, I would take the yeah, over if you're including I, I would so. take. I would take going for it on their side of the field. As a yeah. as a trick play type of thing, I think they got as you said, flea flickers, reverse passes, uh, reverse. I, I mean, I think they're anything gonna... to get the ball out of Ben's hands, <laughs> anything to get it to somebody else. I remember, I remember, I remember the Chiefs played. This reminds me of a bit. I remember the Chiefs played the uh, the Patriots in their Super Bowl gear on the road, and it was clear. Oh damn! The Patriots' standpoint, oh we we're just not going to be able to move the ball on these guys. So uh, let's dial up Julian Edelman pass. And I remember Julian Edelman had a pass that I think maybe even scored him a touchdown that got him a big play because they could tell and knew it. Like that that's 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 the thing. And with that, the Chiefs need to take advantage of that if they're going to do things to get out of their suits because like this is a a real jump from what the Steelers do. Like, this isn't a team that typically does trick plays, so it's not in their comfort zone. So there could be a real uh, plethora of mistakes that could be had if the Steelers are trying to do stuff that isn't in their comfort zone. So the Chiefs need to take advantage of that. But but at least be aware of that, Steve. Be aware of that. So these hardcore sending eight blitzes, just make sure you're understanding, like, it could be, it could be some silliness. Uh, around here so uh yeah that, that that's a really good point about the Steelers and everything they're going to do I think the other part of this game is this there's so much and I think this all lends to what you were just taught we were just talking about with the Steelers you know just being able to throw the kitchen sink out there try anything is like the Steelers are going to try stuff and do things in which the Chiefs defense should be able to take advantage of and to make game-changing big plays to really hurt this team. And one thing is the Steelers, for some reason, it is very clear to all of us that Ben Roethlisberger is a geriatric when it comes to football years right now. 
Ben Roethlisberger can't move. He's not good at throwing the football. He's not accurate all the time. It is just pass. This should be a run-first football team, but it is not. It is a throw-the-ball-40-times football team. And it's not like they're successful with it. It's not a throw-the-ball-40-times for 370. Nope. It is 44 throws for 123 yards from Ben two weeks ago. So that's what they do. They're going to throw the ball. Six out of their last eight games, they've got over 35 throws. Five of them, they've got over 40 throws. And they're not successful at it, yet they keep doing it. They just keep doing it. So for the Chiefs, if they're going to continue to do this silliness, make them pay. Make them pay. They're like the old Chiefs when when, when, when Reed had, had Alex Smith and for many stretches – there was a, a 10-yard radius on where Alex was going to throw the ball, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, five yards ahead of it, screens and short stuff and slants and everything. That's where the ball was traveling, five yards. That's what the Steelers do. That's what the Steelers do. What did you say, sir, that he threw for two yards a throw a couple of weeks ago? Uh, in that, yeah, in that Browns game, which was his final home game, and it was people were comparing yeah, it to yeah. like – Kobe's final home game where they were just letting Ben shoot because it was his final home game at Heinz field. And he averaged 2.7 yards per attempt in that game. Yeah. And, and I would have accepted that as something, but I'm, I'm pretty sure last week he followed that up with throwing for 44 more times. He threw for 44 times last week against the Ravens for 244. And that's big time. 244. That's big time for him. So if they're going to throw, if they're going to drop back with their offensive line that is is okay, sometimes less than okay, with Melvin Ingram and and Chris and Frank and the way that that he likes to blitz, and he's going to put it up that many times, make them pay the way you did in the last game. The, the, the Chiefs defense scored on a drop back. Like, like, make him pay if they're going if they're going to sit back and not use Najee Harris and throw it forty something times. You know all those short game passes that the Chiefs use for McCole Hardman. That's basically the Steelers' offense, but like all the the time. entire game. Um, and so if you're the Chiefs, that does put some pressure on specific guys. And the player that I think is probably going to have a really big game on Sunday, if I had to just project, I think Lugarius Sneed's going to be huge. Because that's the type of stuff that he eats up for breakfast, dude. That guy is amazing against screen passes. He's one of the best tacklers in the NFL. Football Outsiders has a stat called um, defeats, where basically you defeat a block and you make a stop in a way that is for like a loss or no gain. He's top five in the league this year at that. Legereus Sneed. Most of the guys that are on this list are defensive linemen or linebackers who are meeting the ball carrier at the line of scrimmage. Legereus Sneed's doing it as a cornerback. So I think you're going to see a huge game for him. The Chiefs tackling in space is going to be massive on Sunday. And just to put a fine point, Ron, on what you're saying about Ben Roethlisberger, in his last four games, God, his arm is just so shot. He's averaging 4.5 yards per pass. That would be like okay for a running back. That is all-time bad for a quarterback. So if you're able to just make the stops whenever the guy catches the football as opposed to letting him get out in space and do some stuff, there is literally nothing this Steelers offense can do to scare you. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Claypool, like, they've got guys that would scare you mm-hmm. if somebody else was on the other side unloading it. And Claypool could scare you and all that, but, uh, like, they're going to try it probably. They might, they may, they, their first throw might be a wide receiver screen that is a fake, that is a go route. Like, it may be, but, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. Their trends of 40-something yards, 40-something pass attempts, or hundred less than 150 yards, like the Chiefs got to make them pay on that. They legitimately have talented offensive weapons that, like, if you had any – if you had Kirk Cousins in this offense, like this offense would scare you a lot more than it does with Ben Roethlisberger as the quarterback. But with his limitations and – what they have to do. Like, that's what I was saying earlier. Like they can't adjust what they do on offense. Cause for some reason they keep throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game, but he's not capable of doing anything other than what they've done all season, which is just throw these little wide receiver bubble screens around the line of scrimmage because he can't stretch the field at all. Like I'm going to be upset if Legereus Sneed doesn't pick one of these off because you know, they're coming. You can read the routes. Like you can read those screens. And maybe they finally actually like try to fake one of those and Ben lobs one over the top. The problem is when he does actually throw downfield, it takes a year for the football to get there because there's no velocity on it. Uh, so that's the thing. Ru- he can loft it. It just doesn't go and it just doesn't go anywhere very fast. And Ron, that's that is the game plan that if you're gonna beat the Chiefs, that's the way you do it. We've seen it the last couple of weeks. I mean, Joe Burrow. The reason that Jamar Chase had such a big game is because Burrow was willing to just throw it up there, go one on one, Chiefs outside corners. I'm I'm gonna give my guy a, a chance, and he's gonna be able to beat Traverius Ward, Mike Hughes, Rashad Fenton, who's ever out there at any given time. And they did it repeatedly. The Broncos even had some success with that, throwing up to their uh-huh. big receivers. Uh, Tim Patrick had a couple of those plays where you just throw it up and you you trust your guy to win one-on-one. I just don't know that Ben can do it. Like, Drew Locke's not a very good quarterback, but he's got the arm to be able to put it up there. I don't know if Ben has that anymore. In fact, every piece of evidence that we have would suggest that he doesn't. And instead of it being a situation where that guy has a one-on-one battle that he's got like a 50-50 ball, it becomes almost a situation where the defense is in a situation to win. I don't know that the Steelers can go that route. They might try it, but I don't think they're going to have as much success as the other teams. Like When we get further into the playoffs, the Bills, they're absolutely going to try that with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. The Bengals, we just saw what that's going to look like potentially if they're able to have some success with it. I don't think the Steelers can. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't either. And if that's going to be the game plan for them, which it has been for them, uh, the, the Chiefs have to make them pay. And, and I, I would think eventually they would. See, I think, though, part of me, the last thing when the Steelers have the ball that would make me concerned is, like, if you look at it, how how you could see the Steelers being successful and keeping this game tight, because that's got to be the game plan for Mike Tomlin and, and Ben, is how can we keep this thing tight in the fourth quarter and make Arrowhead start getting nervous and make the Chiefs start getting nervous, and this thing is a game in the fourth. That's got to be the game plan and seeing if they could pull something out. And I think the best way for that to happen for them is if they find some level of confidence in Najee Harris in their run game. That is that is the, the piece where if they found some, some, some confidence there and they felt like – because I think Tomlin would say, hey, let's run this thing. 
Like this is this is a way we keep them off the field. If they if the Chiefs are able to rip away that, which teams have been able to do this year to the Steelers, if they're able to rip away Najee Harris and never give them the confidence to believe that he is somebody that can that can be a major impact in this game. I think that will go a long way to to you know silence in the Steelers' offense because that to me is the only way that I can find the Steelers feeling like they can have some confidence in this game. Yeah, he's got to have a game like he had against Pitts or against Cleveland rather, where he went for 188 on the ground and looked like the player that we all saw him as when he was at Alabama. The problem is he he's also he's got an injury right now that he's dealing with. He he left last week's game and he's been dealing with this elbow injury. He hasn't practiced so far this week as we're recording this on Thursday night. I, I have to imagine he'll try to give it a go, Ron, but I, I don't know for sure if he's going to be able to play the full allotment of snaps. And Benny Snell is not a guy that scares you at all. He's a dime a dozen type of running back where he has no top-end speed. He's a true grinder. And if they had a mauling offensive line that was just going to come at you and they were going to be able to drive you off the ball, okay, maybe that's somebody that is going to be able to give you some fits. They don't even have that. So it, Najee Harris at not quite 100%, maybe not even close to 100%, even that makes this thing harder to be able to project for him. That was completely unnecessary, the drive-by you just did on Benny Snell. I mean, my God, this is a kid out of Kentucky just giving his heart and soul out here. <laughs> and you just took out Benny Snell that fast without blinking. Right. My God. He's, not He's averaging 2.7 yards this season per okay, carry. Okay, but my God, you there's no He's reason to leave. You, what, you want us to lie to people? You want us to lie to <laughs> Benny just, a good football player? You could have just left out Benny. He might right. start for him. He He might get 20 touches for them on Sunday, and he's bad. That was just unnecessary. And he's out here just trying to feed his family, his kids. I mean, he's getting they don't paid. Even sell his, they don't even sell his jersey in the team store. And like you're just, and you're just, you're 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 just taking him out for no good reason, Benny. Just because you suck ass does not mean that people need to come around and say those things about you. I believe that you've had a heck of a career, Benny, and I'm proud of you. Hey, Nobody in Kentucky has played in the league as long as you have, Benny, in my opinion. It's in his hey, third year. Watch, man. Watch, yeah, Benny, I, watch Benny convert some third and shorts on you. Didn't Josh Allen, been, the pass rusher, go to Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, but he's not as good as Benny. Or is not he's as, better than Benny. Randall, Randall Cobb. In your opinions. All right. Randall Cobb, that's a different, like, that's a different Kentucky. He's going to get a couple of third and shorts. And I guarantee you, he's going to have like something like Justin Houston used to have on his shirt. He's going to pull his jersey up, and it's going to say <laughs> F F B K right for you. Oh, hey, that's good Benny, for the brand, man. That's good for the brand. I need that. And Benny, I I urge you to do that because it's just sad what you've done to him. It's ridiculous. Sorry, Benny. You know what's sad is what you're about to do. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm. An imposter. Well, this is it, this is the game that is sweeping the nation, and we just got to be honest about things. Sometimes here on showing BK on the Chiefs, we're honest about things, and we have to get creative sometimes. But I'm gonna be honest with you: certified or imposter. And this week it is Josh Gordon dressing. Josh Gordon, and I don't mean like 
stuffing on Thanksgiving. I mean, dressing out. Certified or imposter on Josh Gordon dressing out for the game on Sunday. I'm going to let you start this one off, Ron. I I don't. I I think he should be inactive. I I, I, (laughs) listen. I it's 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 not just over. He's not a decoy that anyone believes in. It's it's just done, and he needs to stop. He had multiple chances. He can't like he can't catch anymore. Like he can't. He like he cannot catch the ball. Like I would not pick him on my kickball team. He can't catch the ball. I so I, I like I think there's there's got to be another place to go. I don't know who Omar Bayless is or Gary Jennings or oh, Matt Sexton, but those guys I think should dress. I've never said this in my life at this point, but I think Garrick Dieter makes more sense to get out there in a uniform right now. Right now, I think Garrett will catch it. I think Garrett will catch it. I You're missing out on the on eight two. I'm just throwing yeah. out names out here. Darius right. Fountain is the one that you would make an make an active player. Defoe too. Anybody? I'll take guys from the past. So, uh, what's Donnie Avery up to? Yeah, Mark Bowl Richter and I don't have a great relationship. I mean, we've had we've gone at it a few times on on Twitter. I mean, he's probably an angry white wide receiver, but I, I, <laughs> like I take him right now. Yeah. He for sure is. I take him uh, right now, Mark Bullrichter. Right now to go. I think I think Donnie Avery's knees fell apart. I don't think he's got any cartilage left. He in those, is an imposter. Listen, Josh Gordon is an imposter right now to even dress out. Take his pads from him. I want him to stay a part of the team because it seems like this is doing good on his personal life, and I love that for him, and that's really what it's all about. But he ran an out last week. And, and I don't know if it was Brian Greasy or Steve Levy or whoever it was who tried to make an excuse and say, what a great play the defensive back made. No, nah, man, that thing hit him in his hands and he dropped it. And, and uh, I mean, so it's, it's just over. It's for someone who I was the guy that has always been Josh Gordon, bring yeah. him here. And I said it before the Chiefs were even looking at him. I wanted Josh Gordon to come here. It's been a massive disappointment. Josh Gordon just doesn't have it anymore. He just doesn't belong on the football field. He doesn't. What used to make him special was the fact that he was bigger than everybody else on the football field and he could fly. He's not fast anymore. He doesn't get separation and it does not look like he's got any bit of athleticism left on the field. And for some reason, all of that put together, you would think he would still be able to catch the football, but for some reason he just can't catch the football anymore. And every time they throw his way, he does not catch it. So he's got to be an imposter because he's done absolutely nothing to help the Chiefs. He's still the, he's still the biggest guy out there at receiver. This is why you bring Darius Fountain in. He's 6'1", 215 pounds. He can go up and get it. They actually protected him on the practice squad this week, which is one of those under-the-radar nerdy moves that maybe only I care about. But That's true. I, I do wonder if... That is a sign that they're at least going to give him an opportunity if anything were to go wrong in the playoffs. Listen, he ain't going to be a guy that's that's a, a significant piece to what they're doing. Josh Gordon isn't a guy that's a significant piece to what they're doing right now. He's caught 35% of the balls that have come his way this year. 35%. Typically, you expect that to be at least 60 or so. I'm, I'm shocked it's that high. I, Me too. 
I I don't know what exactly they're trying to get out of him at this point. You, you can't even have him on the field. So if you can't have him on the field, he's he's not doing anything on special teams. He has zero special team snaps this year. Is he blocking year. his ass off? Maybe that's what I'm going to watch. Maybe he's really blocking his heart out. I like do think a, that's why he he's a Heinz Ward blocker. Maybe. Is because he's a big body and so he can block better than McColl or somebody like that. Yeah, I it's got to be because there's no other reason to put him out there. That like, one on the sideline, I said, come on, Josh. You can't catch that one. Maybe just take the gloves off. Like, I, it, I don't know. He's an imposter for what it's worth. I, I'm he with is. you, Ron. He, he probably yeah. shouldn't be suiting up on, on Sunday. But yeah, I'm over that. I'm over that. 19, it's over. stop. That's Joe Montana's jersey. Sit down somewhere. You're out, Josh <laughs> uh, uh, Gordon. All right, uh, what's, what's the prediction for this game, fellas? Um, I'll jump off. I'm going to go 41 to 13. I think this is going to, uh, I think this is going to get away from the Steelers. And, um, I, I, like I get the feel, I, I'd be, I'd almost be surprised if Pat plays the whole game. Um, he set out the first game. Um, I don't think this is going to be something of, Ooh, they embarrassed the Steelers the first time and the Steelers are going to come back and they're pissed off and they're mad. Look at what happened with Georgia. Georgia had the guys to play with Alabama. The Steelers don't. This is not going to be a new thing. This is going to be Kansas beats the hell out of Kansas State this year like they did the year before and like they did the year before. This is going to be this thing. There is no revenge thing happening in Arrowhead, and Ben can play all this passive weirdness all he wants to. But I got him 41-13, to Chiefs. Yeah, I – think the Chiefs win this game pretty easily. I don't necessarily think it's going to be like a, a massive scoring game for the Chiefs because I do think that they're going to get an early lead and then they're just going to kind of go vanilla like we talked about earlier and kind of play it safe and know that the Steelers aren't going to all of a sudden explode and come back on them offensively or something like that. So I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring, but I still think the Chiefs win this thing like 31 to 13. There's only been five times in the last 20 years that a team was favored by at least 12 and a half points in a playoff game that wasn't the Super Bowl. All five times it was the Patriots who were favored by this much. I mean, that's what we're watching. We're watching a game where one team is just clearly superior to the other. By the way, the Patriots won all five of those games. The Chiefs are going to win this one. They're going to win it. It's going to be pretty boring for the most part. I think it'll be... 27 to 13 they end up covering the spread by just a slight margin the last time that a team not named the Patriots was favored by this kind of margin was the St. Louis Rams and the greatest show on turf era I mean we're this is borderline unprecedented levels of one team being so much better than the other there's no way for the the Steelers to be able to win this game they're a bad football team they're one of the 10 worst teams in the sport they shouldn't be in the playoffs and they were able to back in because the Chargers couldn't take care of their business. It would be one of the biggest upsets in playoff history. Yeah. If the Steelers went into Arrowhead and won this game, it would be one of the biggest upsets in playoff histories. It'd be the worst outcome of a playoff game ever, because then we'd have to watch another game of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Be the worst mm-hmm. loss, one of the worst losses maybe, maybe the worst in the history of the Chiefs franchise because of the 100%. expectations for this team relative to the opponent. The opponent and how bad 100%. they are. And I don't think that's going going to happen. Uh, 
Uh, as our friend Therese, our late friend Therese Paler would say, I don't even think that Mahomes needs to have an over my dead body game. I, I, I don't think he needs to have that that level of game. He's just just come out, play your game, and, and you all should be just fine. All right, uh, Serta, I know the postseason, a special time, turning it up. We're flipping the switch right here as well on Arrowhead Pride. What's uh, what's coming up after the game? A late night for you and the boys as a, as a Sunday night football playoff edition with the Chiefs and the Steelers. Yes, Sunday night football immediately following the game. You can catch me in Rocky Magana as you do each and every week on Arrowhead Pride's Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook page. We will be live recapping the playoff game and hopefully talking about a dominating Chiefs win. All right, so stay tuned. Check it all out. Man, Arrowhead Pride will have you covered all the way through uh, as the Chiefs start their playoff run at home against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, all right, that's showing BK on the Chiefs playoff editions, uh, edition. Excuse me. That's uh, Serta, that's BK. Hopefully, we're back again next week getting ready to talk about the Chiefs and another playoff game at Arrowhead. Showing BK on the Chiefs. We are out. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.